the Change Management Reviews podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with Dean Anderson, speaker, writer, trainer, and consultant whose career spans over 30 years. Today is part two of our podcast, where Dean Anderson and Teresa Moulton discuss how to deliver conscious change leadership and what you need to do to be successful. What kind of services, you know, are required to to really deliver a conscious change leadership approach to your clients? Oh, that's a great question. <clears throat> um, kind of, I laugh because we, to myself here, because we, Linda and I have, have felt for a lot of years now is that we're in some ways doing the Field the Dreams movie. Mm-hmm. You know, build it and they will come. Yes. So our, well. <laughs> yeah, so our you know, our approach for all these years has been to keep our organization relatively small and you know, we've we've dodged trying to be acquired by most of the large consulting firms, because um, they want our IP. And what mm-hmm. we do is we go out and do a bunch of projects and then we come back and we write and we develop. And, and mm-hmm. so we're always in development. So when you say what kind of services, I got to laugh because I go, oh man, I can tell you four I'm trying to develop right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what we, you know, what we have um, on the platter is extraordinarily robust, and we're always looking for how to up our game. So for us, we we bring about a dozen different training programs that we can deploy, and they they range from sponsoring transformation for the executives leading transformation for project teams, uh, the Change Leaders Roadmap, uh, where, where those project teams are able to use the methodology. We have a, a breakthrough journey uh, workshop for executives where we uh, help them identify the breakthroughs they need um, for their transformation. We have an executive change lab for the senior leaders to get aligned to what the journey is going to look like. We have a, a, a program that we call Walk, Leadership Breakthrough, Walk the Talk of Change, and that's a multi-day retreat with the executive teams in the conscious and the leadership space. It's not in the change space. It's in the conscious mm-hmm. and leadership space. We have a, suite, a whole suite of support for that. We have a, a year-long program for senior executives we call Go Vertical, which is what happens after they've come out of the Walk the Talk of Change program. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a leading the human dynamics course for mid-level managers, um, an optimal performance course uh, for the workforce in terms of learning how to manage themselves from the inside out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole suite of, of programs. Mm-hmm. But the answer is never in the program. So when right. somebody calls us and says, hey, can you te- do that, uh, you know, leading transformation course for our project team? You know, our first question is why? You know, like, <laughs> what, why would you want that? Because what we want to find out is what are they seeing that they think that's going to fix? Because their their view is probably the problem. The bigger the problem is likely bigger. The challenge is likely bigger than the program. So there probably needs to be some ongoing support. Maybe there's some process reengineering support that needs to help occur for them. Maybe there's some clarification with sponsor expectations that need to occur, you know, along with the program. And so mm-hmm. I, I say that because then it leads us into, I think, a, a, a wise way of, of answering your question about what are the 
types of services. And so if we extend beyond like training programs, then you get to advising or consulting. And so there's a whole suite of consulting interventions that we bring that may or may not be used in any project. It might be everything from revisioning the company to identifying the breakthroughs that you're going to be pursuing to um, identifying the design requirements you know, for the project, how you launch projects, how you integrate projects, how you build uh, your engagement strategy, how you build a robust communication plan, um, on and on and on, right? There's just there's probably three dozen different um, consulting interventions that we'll pull on when they're needed. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there's a whole suite of coaching that's followed up to all that stuff. There's the methodology itself, which is an online you know, methodology, a couple thousand pages of tools and checklists and all the change manager kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that question, I love the question because I said a lot of stuff here, and there is a lot of stuff that we've built over 40 years, but I'm not even sure how to answer it <laughs> because, you know, the way that we work is we go into a client system and we run up against some challenge that needs special attention. And then we come back from that project three or six months or a year later and say, let's build something to solve that challenge for our next client. Mm-hmm. And so it's a continuous process of how do we raise the game um, mm-hmm. in each of these areas of conscious change and leadership. Yeah. And so all I can say is that the end result is there's got to be a suite of offerings that are fully integrated. And I think that's the simplest answer to your question. Right, and I guess my follow-up question would be, so if they're simply integrated, are they also then able to be modularized? Uh, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the, that's the key of it right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Great. I remember and, a long... Yeah. I was going to say, a long time ago I read an article in the Sunday San Francisco Chronicle, and we used to Uh live in the Bay Area, and it was about Steve Jobs developing this thing called object-oriented software. Uh And so we built this based on object-oriented training system. We called it OOTS for many years. Uh (laughs) And the idea was that if you had modules, you could cut and paste modules and very quickly build out something as opposed to recreating things from scratch all the time. Yeah, that's when I had my consulting company, that's how we built our methodology. And I found it to be really helpful because you knew which things you needed to do for the highest value at a given point in a situation, and those can change. So Right. That's great. And, you know, what do you... When you think about capabilities, you know, for us as consultants, you know, what capabilities do we need to really be successful with a conscious change leadership approach? Yeah, that's a really great question, Teresa. Um, the, the first and foremost one, you know, is how awake we are. So it's developing ourselves from the inside out. This is very much in the conscious place. And, you know, when we're actually looking for consultants, this is the most important criteria, you know, way beyond experience, way beyond certifications, way beyond where they went to graduate school, um, any of that. You know, if they're – so the most important thing is are you self-aware? 
mm-hmm. are you able to see your mindset in action? Are you able in real time to, to hear the own wheels of your own mind saying, I like this, or I judge it this way, or I'm concluding this way, or I'm making these assumptions? You know, how awake are you to the interior? Because in a dynamic world, if you're concluding things from your ego's current mindset, mm-hmm. well, then you're probably concluding them based on what you're comfortable with and used to, not maybe on what is really called for. And transformation, you got to keep that open mind all the time. So that's primary. There's a number of what we call superpowers in that space. And there are things like using your intuition. There's mm-hmm. things like uh, that, that are that are products of this level of wakefulness is being able to discern the signal from the noise, meaning in a complex environment there's all kinds of variables and it's just all noise. Mm-hmm. But there are some of those variables that are really important and essential. And can you can you sense where the signal is? Can you sense what's vital to the journey? Can you sense what's critical to this decision that's being made? And so those kinds of skills of discernment and attention come out of that self-development. So that's one. Another is seeing process. Mm -hmm. So the first one we would say is seeing consciously. The second one, and these are what we call the four sights. You know, Mm -hmm. one of our core programs actually for consultants is called foresight. Mm -hmm. And so the four sights, the first one, and these are basic fundamental skills that are required for conscious change consulting. And the first one being seeing consciously next one seeing process and what I mean by that is can you see things unfolding can you take the view of where things have been see where they are now and know where they're going and can you see process not just in the tangible world of either individuals behaviors or the organization systems and structures and you know ways of running meetings and making decisions all that tangible stuff but can you see process in the intangible, the interior world of people's thinking and how they're feeling and the cultural norms and the cultural dynamics? And given all of that multitude of variables, can you see how things would naturally unfold given how people are thinking and the resistance that's occurring over there and the real commitment that's happening over here and that one key executive that's been dragging his heels the whole time and the urgency that the market is saying that, you know, if you guys don't get this thing implemented, you're losing market share. You know, can you take all of that variable and actually see the probable journey and then know where the leverage points are to actually nudge the cats, nudge the journey towards its ultimate desired outcome, right? That's seeing process. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's beautifully said. Yeah. That's be- and and, you know, the- you, uh, normally I hear people talking about intuiting the next step, but not really seeing the whole journey. Yeah, and the, intuiting the next step is great. You know, that's one of those superpowers, but mm-hmm. your intuition, I mean, unless you're, you know... At some level of development and skill in your psychic abilities, mm-hmm. intuition is informed by data. Right. So it, it's raising the probability of something. And if I don't see the data or I'm misinterpreting the data, then my intuition, I'm just winging it. And so right. informed intuition is, you know, a powerful thing for that anybody can develop. But it, And it leads to being able to see process because you mm-hmm. – 
you know you can then sense the forces at play from a a wider perspective so you get more of those forces in your line of sight and then therefore you can account for them in your process design if you will mm-hmm. the third area I would say is seeing systems and what this as a fundamental skill is seeing the embedded levels of systems let's put it that way so how how this team's behavior is reflecting and informing the culture, how the culture is impacting it, how mm-hmm. what's happening in the grand scheme of the international, national, local, political environment is impacting our marketplace, mm-hmm. of how this department fits in relationship to this other department others as they're trying to co-create a common goal for the organization. In other words, there's various levels of system, from self to relationship to team to department to to the business unit to the organization to a a certain segment of the market to the entire market. You know, just keep going all the way up, right, to the Mm -hmm. whole planet and, I guess, beyond. And so those levels of system, can you attend to all of them? Can you see the dynamics at play in and how they influence the various levels of systems, and then that's the vertical component, and the horizontal component is cross-boundary. So how does this department's interaction with that team, interaction with that team, that supplier interacting with that vendor, you know, interacting with that customer, you know, like that, that's seeing across the horizontal components. And so seeing systems allows you to then minimize the surprises because Mm -hmm. you're seeing cause and effect relationships, you're seeing distant impacts of local action, um, and able to perceive that in a way that allows you to better navigate, you know, change in a strategic way. That's really cool. Yeah. So those three things are core skills of seeing consciously, seeing process, seeing systems. Okay. And then did you say there was another... One or is it, are there only three? Yeah, so we yeah, four sites, and so the fourth site is good catch, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm following this, but my mind is uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm just sitting here going, Do I want to bring that one up too? Um, <laughs> but yes, there is very. It's very important, actually. So the fourth site is we call we say seeing internal and external, mm. and what that means is is that. If you walk into an organization, and I'll give you an example of this, but if you walk into an organization, you're going to see the tangible external aspects of it. You're going to watch people behave. Mm -hmm. You're going to see what technology they use. You can see an org chart and see their structure, right? There's all those tangible things. You can see the systems they use, et cetera. Those are all a reflection of the internal. Now, what do you mean by internal? Well, at the internal, at the level of individual, we call that mindset. At the level of team, the internal, we call norms, right, how the the team behaves, right, what sources its behaviors. The level of organization, we call the internal culture. And what that means is that at every level of system, there's an inner dynamic always because humans are not just human doings, they're human beings. I really like that. I like the right. way that you go from, you know, you have that human element across all those three areas. Right. So just think of the inner dynamic of the country called the U.S. Mm-hmm. When Barack Obama was president, 
versus Uh-oh. when Donald Trump is president. Now, okay. stop right there. Now, if you're a Trump supporter, you're going to say, yeah, it's way better. If you're a Barack supporter, you're going to say, well, it was way better. And there's the point right there, mm-hmm. is that there's a fact always that there's an inner dynamic at play at all levels of system. So the country is, in fact, manifesting a different inner dynamic right now. Now, whether mm-hmm. any individual likes it or dislikes it, that's based on their mindset. That's their inner dynamic. Well, good job putting out a politically correct example on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you see, then, so seeing internal and external is really essential because if I'm in complex change and it's transformational, by nature in our definition of transformation, that transformation means that it's not just changing the boxes external, you know, content, new technology implementation, Mm -hmm. new structure, whatever. But it's transformational, meaning this technology implementation or the new structure or whatever is happening in the project is so radical that it's got to also carry with it a change in individual mindset and collective culture. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it won't be sustained and adopted. And so if you segment out the project... You then people wonder why 70% of the time they don't get sustainment and adoption. Right. Well, because the human element of the interior didn't come along with you and you didn't be, start planning for that inner work of building commitment from the beginning. Right. And so that was poor process seeing. And it was poor internal-external seeing. And it was not seeing consciously. Because mm-hmm. you went to where your ego is comfortable, which is dealing with the project, not dealing with the human. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a and whole so different perspective. It's a whole different perspective. <laughs> so when you ask that basic question at the beginning, how is it different from change management? It's like, you know, how do I even answer that without what we just did, which was unpack the perspective? Because... You know, change management in some ways is a collusion with the current dysfunction of leadership mindset. Mm-hmm. Now let me piss some people off here, okay? Because mm-hmm. um, the current dysfunction of leadership mindset is they segment out the project, so the content, right? Technology, mm-hmm. structure, et cetera, business process, whatever. Right. And they put that first and foremost, and they measure speed based on how quickly we can design the solution. So therefore, they put fewer people in the room to design that solution. Mm-hmm. So we're not co-creating. We're not thinking about the interior. And we're leading from the perspective that the content is king. What that sets up is the other 20,000 people who are not in the room are now telling stories about the bad thing that's going to occur because the boogeyman's in the closet or under the bed. And since it's behind locked doors and the communication's sporadic, sometimes it doesn't come out until the solution is designed, the monster gets really big. It's called resistance. Mm -hmm. And then downstream, once we get into an implementation mode, try to call in the poor change managers to slay the boogeyman. Right. There shouldn't even be a boogeyman there. Right. 
And what what I'm wondering is, does the does the outcome change if you're using an agile approach? Well, if the agile approach is informed by the kind of principles we're talking, then absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if the agile impro- approach is oriented, still privileging the content, then the only benefit the agile approach is bringing is greater course correcting to the design mm-hmm. and maybe faster course correcting through the problematic implementation. Makes sense. Right, but if the, but if the agile approach, I mean, you could say that the being first approach is agile mm-hmm. in many ways, but it's not the agile nature because, because the roadmap is all about course correction. You, you set up a course correction system as is the first phase, one of the main tasks in the first phase of the change leaders roadmap. Mm-hmm. Because in transformation, it's nonlinear, and you're learning stuff as you go, so you're constantly in course correction. So it's very agile in that sense. But yes. the juice of it isn't because of that. It's because of that plus the other things we've been talking around, around a co-creative approach and a wake approach, et cetera. Right. It, it, I think, for me, it brings the actual human dynamic and the being stuff, that intangible stuff that becomes tangible when it's not addressed, it sounds like, you know, your approach really brings that into the equation as an equal variable instead of, you know, getting some sort of regression analysis that isn't offset by the right the right probabilities, you know? And um, Right, exactly. You know, this but that's a little convoluted, but I think that's what it looks like to me mathematically anyway. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a, a fair way of seeing it, is that if, if we want to think about it in that way, you know, mathematically, which will, that, will, that metaphor will only take us so far, because mm-hmm. um, it's hard to do math on human consciousness, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it's doable, you know, at some level, I guess, maybe way about my math skills are, but, but the, because we get into the quantum world then, is what happens. Right. Quite honestly, right. we get into the quantum world, so it's not a mechanical right. world; it's a quantum world. But, but the point of, of the metaphor that you're saying is that there are you are bringing these other internal variables in, and it doesn't push away all of our good project attention, our good project management, all the good change management tools that we might bring. But it brings them in in their right place, mm-hmm. right? So for so because what change management is doing right now, I believe is colluding with the dysfunction of senior leader mindset about how you lead change. And so, you know, there are vendors and vendors and vendors out there trying to make a better engagement tool Mm -hmm. or a better dashboard. Mm -hmm. You know, I I wrote a video, I saw a video recently of a a, uh, tracking the the individual or the team and the change curve. Mm -hmm. Now, that change curve was, there's a number of them. The one I saw was built by a, Sabina Spencer and John Adams back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Great tool. We actually use the same curve. But that's not where the juice is. We could do that same mapping with a pencil. Mm-hmm. And, and it would make no difference if the larger, more important strategic upfront ways of setting the transformation up weren't handled. Now, I'd much rather use this really cool tool these people developed than the pencil. But the point is, the breakthrough is not going to come from the tool. No. And and so the breakthrough is going to come from 
us helping leaders wake up to what's really required and where change management is doing a beautiful job making better tools, it's not doing a beautiful do- job at making a better difference. Well, and 18 years ago, let me just make the point of yeah. this, just to ground sure. it in a number. I think it was now 18 years ago that IBM did the first major global study on the effectiveness of change. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, 60 to 70% of large-scale changes fail to reach their intended ROI or desired outcomes. If you go look at any of the multitude of current data on the same question, you get the same outcome. Meanwhile, project and change management have flourished, and they've not made a difference in outcome. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting um, because you'd also find multiple sources of that of that number and multiple perspectives on how true or not it is. And I think it all points to where you're coming from, which is, you know, if we just focus on the tools and we only focus on the model, we're not looking at the comprehensive impacts of internal and external change. And therefore, we're not really identifying a comprehensive root cause of a challenge that that we're trying to actually solve with whatever work we're trying to do. That's right. And and the breakthrough, fundamentally, is back to the principle of mindset is causative, right? The breakthrough is one that has to occur in the mindset of leaders and change practitioners. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I would say to, to change management professionals is develop yourself from the inside out. Find your ability to really stay present and centered in the face of conflict and challenge mm-hmm. so that you can begin to be a voice and develop your communication skills and how to speak truth to power so you can be a voice to help leaders begin to see a different perspective. Because yeah. every time we we so-called collude and say, yeah, you know, here, here are my change management tools and here's what we're doing, and but we're not influencing them to have brought us in earlier or seeing mm-hmm. how their project integrates with others or how they mm-hmm. could have built an engagement strategy up front or any of the other things that we know would have been better for the project. If we're sitting on that data, then we're colluding, and that's something we shouldn't be doing because we're the change professionals. Right. Right. I agree with you. Very interesting. In fact, I think um, going to need to take this podcast and make it part A and part B uh, because it's just, got a lot of richness to it and um, you know and I don't want to have short shrift to any piece of it um, what we're talking about so I one of the questions just to as we start to wrap up is you know okay given the conscious change leadership and you know being first and all of the conversation that we've had to this point um, what development is available to learn this this approach? What does Being First offer to help consultants um, build this kind of approach and to help, you know, clients really start? Yeah, thank you for asking that. It's um, in some ways uh, an evolving target for us. I made a, you know, kind of quasi joke um, to myself, I guess, of when you ask, you know, what, what kind of services do you need to 
to uh, offer, and I kind of jokingly said, you know, we're constantly building them. Right. And so one of the things that we're really attending to now is to begin to put more attention on helping others uh, develop this skill set um, to be conscious change leaders and conscious change consultants. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't do a lot of public training, um, but one of our strategic objectives here is to um, start an institute, not a brick-and-mortar institute. I think that's kind of long gone in many ways in, in the 21st century. But um, So we're going to start doing more and more webinars, make more of the information of what we teach available in small pieces. Mm-hmm. But the big piece is, and the most important one, is what we call foresight. And foresight is really for senior practitioners um, who have a solid foundation, you know, in change or organization mm-hmm. development, or even executive coaching. You know, if they can, if they have a systems perspective and they understand organizations, that those folks are also a really good fit for this program. It's, it's a robust program. You know, people come out of it saying that was a PhD in four weeks. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of testimonials on our website, so it's interesting to go look at some of those videos. Sure. Um, so it's four one weeks, separated usually by about five weeks um, between sessions, and it fully integrates the personal development work with the organizational transformational change work. And so people get a deep dive into the application of the Change Leaders Roadmap while simultaneously getting a deep dive into pursuing their own personal breakthrough. So everybody comes into that program, and within the first hour, they're identifying what the personal breakthroughs are they're going for in their own mindset, emotional Mm -hmm. patterns, behaviors, or skills, Mm -hmm. often all of those. And then the four weeks is taking them through a good chunk, not all of it, but a good chunk of our curriculum around the self-development, which runs through four domains here. The first is self-awareness and mindfulness. You've got, you got to become aware of your interior. The mm-hmm. second is uh, self-management and centering, meaning, okay, now that I'm aware of my interior, how do I manage it so I can stay centered where I used to get triggered? Mm-hmm. The third level is self-leadership and change. So it's like, well, it'd be, it's really great that I'm learning to stay centered and manage myself, but, geez, I wish I wouldn't have to deal with this stuff anymore. How do I just change those patterns? <laughs> And then, and then the fourth level is we call self-mastery and being, which is, okay, I've got really some good progress with my personal change. How do I begin to really be masterful in my how I show up in my presence and my use of my intuition and bringing my higher self to my big challenges that I'm supporting in my change business? So all of that great. gets integrated with a deep dive into the Change Leaders Roadmap, and that's foresight. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yep. And then there's one other course that we do publicly at, at times called the Change Leaders Roadmap Navigator School. And mm. this doesn't have a lot of personal work in it, but it's really a, a three- to five-day dive into the use of the Change Leaders Roadmap, and it gives uh, consultants the ability to um, get access um, to our online methodology so that they can use it with their clients. Oh, that's really nice. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like... Um we definitely should be taking uh, traversing the web to beingfirst.com and checking it all out. Uh, and, you know, I just want to thank you, Dean, for all of your insight and experience and, you know, commitment to this work and 
for taking the time today, to, which, you know, could have been a 30-minute podcast and has turned into an hour and, you know, 15-minute deep conversation. I just really appreciate that, and I'm hoping that uh, the folks that listen to this will really get a lot of value out of it. I'm sure they will. Well, thank you, Teresa. I really appreciate your interest and the chance to talk about it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast with Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review and consultant Dean Anderson. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.